everyone. Welcome to another episode of My Loops Are Up Here. Today we have Christian and Danielle with us. They are two dentists practicing in Chicago. They're also known as the Dental Yogis. Welcome. Thank you for having us, Priyanka. Thank you. Can you tell a little bit about um, what inspired you guys uh, to start Dental Yogis and what that means? Yeah. Um, it started really with inadvertently through the realization that we, you know, even though we thought we were going into dentistry for a more balanced life, we didn't really get what we expected. And we started to notice a trend that, you know, as people ascended up, it was actually working more and less life, work-life balance. Yeah, so, I think in, in dental school, we're kind of sold this idea that you know once you're a dentist you can you can make your own schedule you can see as many patients as you want you can take whatever days off you want and you know basically have that lifestyle balance um but quickly as new dentists out of school we started to realize that there there might not be an, a light at the end of that tunnel um just seeing you know people going into practice ownership and seeing that, you know, that's not actually equivalent to more freedom all the time. And, and that can actually just be um, more work and less life. Yeah. And this, a lot of times. And this kind of organically started out um, <clears throat> right after graduating dental school, I did yoga teacher training cause it just kind of lined up perfectly. And there's something mm -hmm. in my heart that just attracted me to it. And toward the end of teacher training, I started uh, an Instagram account called The Dental Yogi, and the intention was just to kind of post about more health and wellness oriented stuff that I didn't see that much. I wasn't surrounded by a lot of it, and it was just new and refreshing to me at the time. And it started to pick up, and Danielle was actually more into yoga than I was. She got me into it, and then she, after she graduated, she completed her teacher training, and mm -hmm. we started inadvertently getting into acro yoga and um that really kind of took off people had a lot of uh, that had a lot of attention so we we, we made a joint the yeah, we added the s <laughs> in the end and um <clears throat> more recently within the past year we we turned it into a business which is uh health and wellness essentially coaching for specifically for dentists for people that are looking to seek a, a greater uh, life work life balance and and to set up boundaries and disciplines to create the freedom that they desire to attain which is so much harder said than done or so much easier said than done mm -hmm. and then for both of you guys um what specifically drew i know you kind of touched on this but what drew danielle what drew you to yoga initially and then christian aside from obviously a little bit of influence from danielle yeah. what drew you to yoga was it more that exercise component you know obviously being kinder to our bodies dentistry is really tough on our bodies or was it more you know the having an outlet um you know for our mind for your mind yeah, I think for me, it definitely started physical for sure. It was, you know, it was just an, another type of workout. And I started in first year dental school. I got a, a group on and went off to my first yoga class. And it was right around the time that we were learning anatomy in first year. So um, I happened to come across this one yoga instructor who was really well versed in anatomy. And I was just blown away at like 
the parallels that she was drawing between, you know, the muscles and the joints that I was learning about in lecture and hearing those things in a yoga class really just opened my mind to um, how, um, like how much depth there is to the practice. And then from there, the more and more I stuck with it, eventually the, the mind, mindful benefits came too, but it was definitely more physical at first. Yeah, and um, for me, she actually got me to, to go to this instructor because she told me that she thought she was really attractive. So I was like, oh, all right, well, I'll, I'll check. She's oh, she beautiful. was, she was. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but I was extremely macho at the time. I used to be really into boxing, and I was also dealing with a lot of shoulder injuries. And I remember walking into that class thinking, like, this is going to be a joke. This will be a good warm-up. I'll get a good exercise after this, a good, you know, workout. Um, and I was really humbled. It kicked my ass. And what really um, – sold it for me was the meditation at the end because at that time especially my mind was all over the place i couldn't focus on anything i was constantly should 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 gotta do this gotta do that and uh it was racing everywhere and because i tired my body out so much i was able to sit in stillness and i finally started to understand what this meditation thing is all about that people were talking about so it really hooked me and i was a closet yogi for a little while because i was a little ashamed that i was doing a you know a soccer mom sport <laughs> so it's um and it really helped me start to get more comfortable with um, um my feminine side like the internal masculine and feminine complement and started getting more comfortable in my skin and i like to say that yoga actually through the process has made me more of a man more accepting and comfortable of who i am and danielle also had a had a huge part in that as well <laughs> i really um so same thing same, similar story with me danielle actually i got into yoga because one of my best friends in dental school first year dental school we started doing the free classes at Lululemon. And this was back when I was in Cleveland. And we would go week after week and it became just this place to exercise. You know, I just enjoyed it um, because I felt really good. My hips felt really open. I felt really strong. And I felt that I was, at that time we weren't practicing a ton of dentistry. And I really wish that once I moved, when I moved to Chicago, I didn't keep up with the practice as much. And I wish I did because now I'm, starting to implement it back into, you know, my weekly routine and I'm doing it twice a week now. And for me, it's amazing on the physical side of what it could do. But because I feel more open in my body, I feel that it's allowed me to even be more open in my mind. You know, I don't always do the Shavasana, like the few minutes on the Peloton, you know, I use it through the Peloton app, but mm -hmm. I feel that maybe I need to start doing that more because that was the, I would definitely agree with you, Christian. That was an amazing part to the end of my yoga practice. You know, I was doing it once and my husband was like, why, why are you sleeping on the floor? And I'm like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sleeping. I'm like, re, you know, I'm resting my mind and kind of regrouping before the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. And I feel that that was such a um, important end to the practice. Do you guys meditate outside of, you know, that one hour of yoga or practice that you do, or is that part of your practice? Mm -hmm. Uh, before even answering that, I just want to highlight how interesting it is that it's it's just so foreign still to to see you know meditation like looking at it as you know it's mm -hmm. in the Western world it's so weird to just do nothing, and then when we look at all the, this huge stress epidemic and in, high anxiety and all these 
you know, uh, medical abuse and um, it, it's, it goes together. It really does. And I think this quarantine right now um, is a beautiful opportunity to start to recognize that we don't have to do something every single moment of the day. We can sit in stillness and be okay. Yes. And with that being said, um, yeah, especially now, it's much easier to just relax and, and to take things a little bit slower and finding a balance between, you know, being productive and enjoying the process of being productive, which often involves taking breaks and relaxing and not jumping to the next task right away. Yeah, one of, to go back to, you know, my earlier yoga experiences, this is probably now towards the end of dental school, so fourth year when I was probably my fourth year of yoga practice as well, but um, I remember an instructor saying at the end of class when that shavasana time came and we're all laying on the mat in stillness, and she said, um, you know, now's the part where you get to have a little nap. And she said it in a joking way, because when you first start doing yoga, it's like, what is this? Now we're all just going to like sleep and have nap time at the end of class. Like, I don't understand. And she said, this is actually the hardest pose in yoga. And that really made a switch for me in my mind. Like, okay, this is actually what it's all about. It's all about, you know, going through the, the physical movements in order to get to a place where you can just be present, even when there's nothing going on around you. And it's easier said than done for sure. And in terms of having a day-to-day -day meditation practice, you know, it comes and goes, but I think I always find some time to be intentional and to be present in the moment at some point during the day, whatever it is I'm doing, whether it's, you know, chopping vegetables for a meal, washing the dishes. I feel like there's so many ways you can incorporate that sense, the essence of yeah. meditation into your life. Um, but ultimately, yeah, if you can find a couple minutes of stillness, that's, that's the best. And, and the greatest way to dissect the essence and to be more present, which is ultimately the goal of yoga. And, and it's interesting that asana or movement practice is, is only 200 years old, whereas meditation and yoga tradition is thousands of years old. Um, the, the essence is really clarifying our attention and our awareness. Am I doing this right now just to be doing this and fully present in it? Or is it a means to an end? Am I in my mind going, okay, what's the next task? I got to do this fast. I can't wait till the next task. And more often than not, when we're not aware, our mind's doing that even when there isn't urgency, even when there isn't a rush. So add that up throughout the day and we get a lot of stress symptoms and a lot of anxiety and, um, a lot of problems. So what you just said actually really resonated with me. Um, I struggle a lot of the times with just understanding the point of meditation. I mean, being Indian, like this is something that we've been ingrained in for our whole lives. You know, like we say, uh, you're supposed to say a certain prayer over and over again, you know, and that usually kind of draws you to that prayer, draws you into your mind and hopefully helps relax you, right? To be better, um, to be more connected with yourself. But for me, even doing that felt like a task. So how does someone like myself, who's just 
used to just go, 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 which a lot of us are, how do you start to change that mindset into becoming, you know, like having that meditation, not becoming a task you need to check off, you know, the list and being something that you look forward to and actually can gain something from. Yeah. I love that. Um, I, maybe you can help me with who said this quote, Christian, but um, there's a quote by someone that goes, um, if you can't afford to sit still for 10 minutes, then you should sit for 20. Oh, that's and, good. Yeah, yeah, do you remember who know, said that? And I might have butchered it, but yeah. anyways, something along those lines. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it really is just a sort of reframing. And I think mm -hmm. it's, and that's, that's someone like you who's, who's been brought up in a culture that, that actually values um, sitting in yeah. quiet and, and reciting a prayer and, and having that time. And that's still difficult for you. So even, you know, someone who's been completely brought up in Western culture, yeah. you could imagine that'd be even more foreign. Um, and I think the best way to carve out that time in a way that feels good and not like it's another chore is to start to notice what kind of person you are when you do do it. Are you more patient? Are you more kind and generous? And productive. Productive. That's the greatest Actually, irony. that's the biggest one. Yeah, because yeah. We, we think, you know, sitting still is so unproductive. I have so many other things I need to be doing. But can you be more clear afterwards? Are you, you know, more in alignment with, you know, the actual goals that you do have for the day rather than just doing busy work to stay busy? Yeah. Um, and when you start to really correlate the quietness with those other benefits, then it becomes something you want to do. Yeah. And it all starts with the awareness and the value shift. And like Danielle pointed out, for Western minds, it's, it's a lot more challenging. I mean, to this day, my dad gives me a hard time for yoga and meditation. And he's like, oh, you're just going to sit around again? You're just going to do nothing? Why don't you pick up a shovel and go, like, you know? Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's just that awareness. And now there's profound amounts of research showing the, the benefits. And you said, you know, it's, it's quieting the mind, but it's also the body. Because when our mind is active, our fight or flight response is up. So our body's tense. And that's where a lot of chronic pains come from. From not just not moving our bodies, but also being tense throughout the day. Um, so an interesting part of yoga is, yeah, there's that we talked about kind of touched on the Shavasana at the end, but at the beginning of the practice, which I know a lot of yoga, yoga instructors, um, emphasize is setting an intention for the practice and a mindset. What have been some really important intentions that you have set for yourself during your yoga practice that have really translated into life outside of, you know, the mat? That's a great question. Um, my favorite intention, uh, at least as of now, it, it fluctuates all the time, but it's uh, to be present and to fully devote myself to this moment. And if I constantly reflect that, 
um, and throughout the day, especially in these days that are seemingly mundane and similar, and there's so much more opportunity to be present, I treat every task now like a yoga class when I remember to. So like every yoga class, we set an intention first. So my intention will be to wash the dishes. I take a breath and I'm fully invested and devoted to them. And then I end with a few moments of gratitude for having completed that before jumping to the next thing. And I know it sounds silly, but um, it's made my days so much more enjoyable um, throughout. So that's, that's a favorite intention of mine. And it's easy to reinforce and recirculate throughout the day. And especially being in the office and the operatory, so easy to start trailing off going over, what's the next patient? When's my next hygiene check? What do I gotta do? And we forget about the human being sitting right in front of us. So when we can be fully present with them, breathe with them and just trust that right now, right here, right now, this is the only place we need to be. It, it makes the appointment so much more fulfilling, rewarding and successful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think my intention changes regularly, but um, a common one is, is simply gratitude. And I know that's at this point kind of a buzzword and it's like really played out, but um, just finding appreciation for those, the little things. And um, especially now during this quarantine, you know, in a time where, we've really simplified our lives to a certain extent and, and realizing how, you know, little we really do need on a day-to-day -day basis to, um, to like, to be happy, to go on with our lives and, you know, just to be grateful for our health and for our, our family and loved ones and, um, you know, a roof over our heads and food to eat, I think is so basic, but also, you know, such a, such a wake up call and can be so freeing that, you know, you really don't need that much and that you can be so grateful for what you do presently have while also striving for more. For someone like myself who doesn't practice, you know, every day, or I don't know if either of you practice every day, uh, maybe now a little bit more than you probably did when working, but I struggled with the fact that I would be, I'd be very conscious of my intention during class. Mm -hmm. But when I left class, I had a harder time doing what you did, what you're doing, Christian, which is like, you know, setting that intention for, let's say, washing the dishes, you know, just even daily tasks. How do you guys or how have you found yourself to be successful in bringing that intention to every day? Do you guys wake up and set an intention for the day together, separate? Is there a journal involved or how do you really stay true to that? Because I think that's the hardest thing is we're all good for a few weeks. Yeah. yeah, it's good for a few weeks and then it tends to taper down and it ebbs and flows and the ebbs and flows of it really are what have been my struggle, you know? Yeah, yeah that's a great question. And it, it really, 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 I mean, it's not going to sound beautiful and glorious, but it's repetition and creating rituals and practices. Um, it, well, I'm really bad with remembering quotes right now. I, I, I can't remember who said it. But yeah, I'm normally on fire with it, but it, I think it was Peter Crone who said that if you want to know someone's values, look at their daily habits and look at their lifestyle, because that's a direct reflection of truth of who they really are. And the issue is there's often a disparity. You know, we like, and myself included, I like to say that, oh yeah, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and I'm going to be this, this, and this. But if I'm not actively making myself and disciplining myself, at least at first to carve out the time and actually do it, 
it never happens and it easily trails off. And we are all very slippery. Our, our minds are slippery. Our ego is designed to keep us safe. And what is safe is what kept us safe yesterday and what requires the least amount of effort. So we're going to naturally in, be inclined to take away the things that we don't need. And in our culture, we value our profession, our, our success and our money. And, and so that's always going to take priority over our health. Um, unless we make it a priority and recognize that our success is actually going to increase with how well we take care of ourselves. For me personally, I have, uh, my morning routines are sacred. My mornings are sacred. Um, one of the biggest things that I do is, is I don't turn on my phone for the first 30 minutes. I'll leave it on airplane mode. And that right away is, has been such a game changer. Um, and then I'll get movement, I, I hydrate, and I write down or I reflect on my list. Usually I'll write, write down a list of what I want to accomplish the night before. And I'll reflect on it, see if there's anything that needs to be changed or tweaked. And then I jump right in. And most of like the, the first things are always what I'm most excited about, which usually don't involve turning on my phone. Um, so I can jump right in. And for like, as of lately, it's been you know, writing copy, restructuring our website, and just the creative outlets that we're excited to explore more. So it's, it's just repeating, starting with a day. And each decision you make at the beginning of your day is more likely to be a reinforced throughout the day. I, like my, I love my morning smoothie, and it's healthy. It gives me energy, and it makes, usually makes me crave something healthy for lunch later, too. Do you have anything to add to that? I mean, I think you covered it. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, figuring out what works for you. But I think mornings are really the best time to be setting an intention for the rest of the day. Um, and, you know, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. It could just be like, today, my intention is to um, smile more, you know, and and you carry that with you and, and every interaction you you bring that energy with you and you can see how that simple just simple sentence can change your whole day yeah and that's really the point of an intention yeah and it, and it requires discipline and awareness what we do with all our clients is we we first discover where they want to be and figure out the places in their lives where they aren't actually acting in accordance with where they want to be and we start yeah. to dissect and break that down and then we implement like little simple homework that we hold them accountable to and it sounds so crazy but it's insane how much someone can change just from that little bit of accountability just from that little bit of awareness and and you know um encouragement and then we have them celebrate each win like we do ourselves. We, it's so important because that's another thing that it's so easy to forget. We learned even in dental school, like you achieve this big exam, okay, on to the next, right away, on to the next, on to the next, and not even taking a moment to celebrate our own achievements. Or so, to think, you know, this is something I should already be doing. And then you're suddenly like hard on yourself and mm. like brushing it off because right. it's not, you know, it's already something you should yeah. quote unquote be doing and not taking the time to actually celebrate that, that little win that's going to keep you motivated to do it again and again. Exactly. Yeah. That's amazing. I think that's, you know, um, 
I think that's a big struggle for a lot of people. I mean, not even just dentists, but, you know, obviously, you know, we became dentists because we have a certain, you know, that competitive nature, a certain set of skills that really apply to us artistically, you know, um, me mentally. Um, and I feel that that's what you're just what you're saying. You know, we're always hard on ourselves. You know, we don't celebrate those little wins. What has been the littlest win, if you will, that you've, you've chosen to celebrate, if you even remember? Mm, great, that's a great question. question. Smallest one. Hmm. Well, while you guys are thinking, I actually, as you guys were talking, I thought of mine. And then, I would okay. love to hear it. I, yeah, I, I was a second year on the way to third year dental school. And my now, my mentor at the time, and she's still amazing, she's still a mentor of mine. Um, she, so in our dental school, we took over our third year equivalence chair once we got you know into our third year and they graduated. And I had not quite gotten to third year just yet. And she's like, I want you to do this class three composite on number eight. And I was like, I was shaking. It was the first time I would be drilling on someone. Someone, I was like, I'm not technically allowed to do this, but I am, she's there. And she, you know, she watched me do it. I, you know, she helped guide me along the way. Patient was very relaxed about it. And I did, I drilled on my first patient and she approved it. And I was like, this is amazing. And the, I mean, it's something small and something so early. And I feel that that actually, because of that successful first time, she and I built an amazing relationship mm -hmm. throughout dental school where she could be honest with me. She could be, she could give criticism and sometimes not always positive. And I was able to take it, um, without feeling, um, I guess, without feeling hurt by it. You know, I was able to take it positively and constructively. And it's because she and I had, had built this first, this, you know, had this first experience together and how she guided me through it. And I feel like that was really something that I still remember to this day, you know, and look back on it as like my little small dental victory, you know, that's maybe a big not win. Victory, a big one. Yeah. yeah, that's a big win. And that's a huge that, you know, most people, including myself, the first patient experience is usually not that great. <laughs> so that's huge. Um, for, for us, uh, I think a huge shift is when we started celebrating every decision and mm. even between, you know, sales and clients and everything, uh, a no to a lot of people can sound or seem or we internalize that as a rejection as a failure right but now when somebody tells us that now is not the time or there's something more pressing or something else it's like great because we want to celebrate that that person was honest with us and made a decision because it's so hard to like in someone's face say you know what no this is not for me or this is not right now and it, it's still rare for us to hear somebody say this is not for me or no but usually it's like mm, maybe let me check with my spouse let me check with my calendar yeah we've I'm all gonna see that, right? and, and you know our goal and in, in life too it makes such a difference when you can clearly delineate all or nothing can you do this will you give it your all or will it be nothing because it's those areas in the gray that are always going to be those are the energy suckers yes you know, there, there's, Not there's the, only, yeah, those are the situations where you find yourself losing energy because you haven't made a decision and you're, you're yeah. playing the fence and, and when you can just wholeheartedly decide one way or the other, it frees up so much more energy to do more of yeah. the things that you want to do. The worst decision is indecision. 
when you found that initially when those um, that were saying no to you or you found that, you know, clients were getting frustrated by the no's, obviously that causes stress. The stress we talked, we discussed, you know, can be a little bit of a, you know, that energy sucker. How do you, how did you personally and professionally work towards changing your mindset on it, your client's mindset on it? so that it could turn into that positive experience. Yeah, yeah, it's all with leading by example. So it started with us. Mm -hmm. And I think we learned it through ourselves being coached and through yeah. our coaches. Yeah. And they helped us just by helping us celebrate the times we were able to say no. And that was something that was so foreign to us at first. Like why would, you know, we, we literally just said, we can't do this. Why would we celebrate that we can't? And no, we're celebrating that we decided that we cannot do this, that we're not going to do this right now. And yeah, and even with, with our clients, it, it helps on so many levels it, and, and just brings back, it keeps that energy so we can energy stack and apply ourselves to the things yeah. that we do do. And you know, at the end of the day, whether you think you're right or if you think you're wrong, you're, either way you're right. And that's Henry Ford. Now my quotes are starting. To there, now, <laughs> now you're opening that. Yeah. I think as, as dentists especially, we ha have an inherent perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, we didn't get to where we are in life by failing. You know, we're used to passing exams. We're used to being good at what we do. And failure is, is often kind of foreign to us in that sense. And then you kind of get thrown into the real world of practice and you quickly learn that nothing is black and white. There's so much gray in between. And that being said, how you interpret a situation is entirely up to you. You can, you can interpret it as, as a failure or you can interpret it as a lesson in something that's helping you grow. Um, so the more and more you can kind of shift into that kind of headspace and it just helps you move on to the next thing yeah. so much quicker. And it's a direct reflection of a leader. A leader is somebody who makes decisions, even, you know, I even mean, if they're wrong, sometimes. even if they're not the best leader and I'm not going to name names or go into politics, but you know, some leaders <laughs> are still leaders because they make decisions. Uh, one of our favorite acronyms is AND. You can do this and that and that, whatever it is you dream of, but it depends on all or nothing, decide. So if you want to do both of these things, you got to give it your all in both and decide what else you're going to take out of your life to be able to focus, to be an incredible uh, you know, mother and family uh, raiser and own a practice, right? And take care of your own self first. I really liked, you know, when I attended your lecture, I really liked that one exercise you had us do. It was, I don't remember all the exact categories about where we, where we rate, I guess, how fulfilling these certain categories are and where we wish we could be. And kind of getting into that and, you know, how do you make sure that, you know, even though there will probably be discrepancies between the two because we are hard on ourselves, you know, how do you realistically set goals for yourself, you know, so that you find that you can achieve this and that and that, et cetera? 
Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Yeah. And I love that you brought up that, that exercise too, because that's such a, it's, it's been so well received that we're actually designing a full uh, virtual retreat curriculum around that and how to dive deeper into it. Yeah. So for those who aren't familiar with the exercise, it's essentially like a lifestyle audit, you could say. Yeah. So, you know, you, you have categories down the left side column, um, health. How do you feel about your current health? How do you feel about your career, your finances? How do you feel about your relationships, you know, with loved ones or romantic environment? Um, how do you feel about your environment, your, your house, your space, the, the people you surround yourself with, so on and so forth. And essentially rating where you feel like you currently are. Um, and then deciding where do you want to be in those categories? And once again, that's where decision comes in because you can certainly decide that this category is not that important to me right now. So I'm okay with it being a five, for example, five out of 10. But if you decide that there are, you know, places where you, you want to see an improvement, you can certainly have that. And I think part of it is realizing that you can have it all, but it's not, necessarily that doesn't necessarily mean it's all going to happen at the same time so there's always going to be a sense of prioritizing um but first and foremost awareness is is one of the greatest factors again and just celebrating that you're aware of where you're not paying attention to because we all have a tendency to focus on what we're good at especially as dentists as professionals and you know we we've had a lot of people that you know are say say things like i wish that i was as good with my family as I am at running my practice, or I wish I was as, as good at veneers as I was at taking care of my body and being in better health. And that alone is a huge win because they're aware now. And, and the first question is, okay, well, how much time are you putting into going to the gym or working out or taking care of your body? And how much time are you putting into CE courses on veneers and doing veneers and talking about them? And, you know, there's always a huge disparity there. So it's just investing the time and awareness in in the places that we want to be, which takes a lot of work because there's a lot of resistance there. We tend to only want to do what we're good at Mm. and what we're comfortable with. So once getting over that humility factor and and establishing, you know, um, compassion Mm -hmm. and recognizing that, you know, it's. It's okay to not be perfect, which is one of the most important lessons in, in yoga. It's the lesson of non-judgment. And, um, you know, it's, it's not about what you look like. You know, it, it, this can be misconstrued with seeing all these fancy poses online, and we're yeah, also maybe guilty true. of it too. But the point is not what it looks like. It's what it feels like. Okay. And to really get into what it feels like, it takes breaking down layers and layers of conditioned reflexes of, oh, what are this, these people thinking of me? Oh, what, what should this be like? Is this the right, does this look right? Does this, you know, and learning to let go of that and instead take the energy into exactly what you're feeling and suddenly the pose becomes perfect. Mm-hmm. Not perfect, I shouldn't say that word. Well, it, it <laughs> the, becomes perfect for you. It becomes more natural. Yeah, yeah, natural is a great thing. I struggle with crow pose still, so I get that. <laughs> I mean, this has been amazing. Thank you guys so much for just your insight, um, not only into the practice of yoga, into mindset. I think this is just such an important topic. And speaking of awareness, for all of us to be aware about. Mm-hmm. And I think we've just really, you know, just hit the surface on this. I think it can get, you know, there's so many more layers to balancing 
work and life, balancing our own, you know, energy and balancing our mindset. Um, if you guys want to let our listeners know a little bit about how they can reach you, you know, um, if, you know, outside of obviously listening to us today, yeah. uh, so we can help grow your, um, your practice. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Um, yeah, I didn't even realize the time. Yeah. Stuff. Time flies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I love that first off that you said scratching the surface because mm-hmm. that, that is literally so why we decided to uh, shift our focus more into this than into dentistry, because the more attention we pay into this, the more we realize how much better we feel about ourselves and how much we have grown through the process. And the best way to stay in touch with us is uh, we're really active on Instagram um, that, at, at the Dental, the dental Yogis. Yogis or uh, visit us at dentalyogis.com. And then we have all our services and ways to be in touch and a couple of freebies and stuff there too. Perfect. Um, if you guys want to end with, you know, your, uh, one piece of advice, I guess, um, about positivity and intention and mindset for our listeners. Slow down (laughs) in order to move faster. Danielle, do you have one? Yeah, I would say learn to love the process. It's going to be messy, you know, it's there's going to be ups and downs but that's life yeah i think that's the one of the hardest things is always to be kind of the process you know we always want to get to the end um Mm -hmm. but it's the process that makes us who we are so exactly thank you guys so much for your time i really appreciate it so much thank you